It's the Task Management and Time Blocking Podcast, Episode 21. You've noticed that as you make promises to people to get things done, the risk of not delivering goes up. Sometimes the fact that you made the commitment falls through the cracks as if it were never made. Over time, this reduces your effectiveness and your reputation for getting things done. People start to avoid you, seeking out others who are more reliable. You want to intervene before this gets worse, but just trying harder to remember may not be enough. You want a real solution such that you manually capture new tasks flawlessly, regardless of the circumstances. You want to be someone who never forgets to complete a commitment. Where can you start to create that kind of track record when it comes to your task management? Join me on this solo episode as we explore this challenge that affects all knowledge workers. I'm Francis Wade, and welcome to the Task Management and Time Blocking Podcast. And welcome back. And if you're new to the podcast, let me quickly explain the format that we follow. It's a three-part format, and it was inspired in part by Albert Einstein. Not really. I found this quote afterwards. But Einstein said, if I had an hour to solve a problem, I'd spend 55 minutes thinking about the problem and five minutes thinking about the solutions. Now, why did he say that? Well, if you do a great diagnosis of a problem, you actually cover the solutions. You actually address the solutions in the quality of your diagnosis. So here on the podcast, we'll spend quite a bit of time agitating the problem, which is kind of shaking it back and forth, looking at it from different angles. Then we'll go into solutions. And then we'll talk about implementation. Let's take a look at the story. So Kumar has twins and they have just entered kindergarten. They're a handful. And the fact that he has four kids in all means that he has a lot to handle. At work, same time, he's just been given an intense project, which is taking long hours to get work done each day. It's likely to continue for another year, and he's someone who is in demand. Why? Well, he's the only person who understands the critical technology at the heart of the effort. Lately, he's also been disappointing the guys in his running club. Well, he's missed four runs in three weeks, disrupting his plans to run a marathon. They've begun to make jokes about his broken promises, but he's not worried about them so much. This week, he forgot to pick up the the twins from school. And he didn't provide the specs to the project manager that the project manager needed in time for a meeting with the CEO. It's not like him to forget, but... He's hoping these are temporary glitches, unlikely to be repeated. As such, he's living in hope and fear. So Kumar may be typical of a lot of people who find it a tricky business to remember everything that they have committed to. And I use the word remember because That's the language that we use. And I'll talk about why that language is actually a little bit outdated and why we need to move way past it, especially if 
you're someone who has a, a commitment like Kumar to be engaged in many things and to do them well. Because what he wants and maybe what you want is to never ever, ever have to say or realize that you forgot to deliver something that you said you were going to deliver. You want to be flawless or perfect in giving your word and fulfilling it. Sending someone an email saying that you'll deliver and that you always deliver. But then, you know, life has a way of intervening. He wasn't expecting that, 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 that twins would be very different than having one child, but turns out having twins is very different. And life right now is giving him way more than he, he suspects he can manage. And, you know, we blame life when these things happen and say, there's too much going on, there's too much happening with me, too much happening for me or to me. And we, 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 we feel a sense of panic as we start to see the commitments multiply. Once they get over a particular threshold and we realize that we're not quite remembering all of them, we start to feel an inner sense of anxiety. And, you know, you might not be the only person, but Kumar certainly isn't. Other people have noticed that his memory is failing and that he's getting old and they're making jokes about him, you know, dropping things from dropping through the cracks and him not being reliable and don't give it to Kumar, he won't, he won't remember, that kind of thing. And, you know, he's hearing them and inside he's start, starting to feel it from frustration and some concern. He's feeling a bit anxious, he's feeling a bit on edge because this is not who he thinks he is. It's not who he's ever been. It's not what's helped him to be successful in his family, his job, in, even in his running, his hobbies. You know, he, he's, he's someone who people could rely on. And that's changed. And whereas the guys are, are making jokes on, you know, in, in, in his running club, people at work don't quite joke as often as he, they do. Because the stakes are higher. His wife certainly doesn't find this to be funny at all. And that the fact that he left the, the, the twins at school and, and, you know, things worked out. But he did forget. And it, it, thank goodness, you know, they, they weren't big repercussions for, you know, they weren't left in the playground in the middle of the night or anything like that. But she's noticing it. She's not making jokes about it she's starting to get a little bit short with him. So, what he's facing isn't uncommon. But there is a limit to what he is able to manage in terms of the promises he's making. So what should he do with respect to this? How should he respond? What should he think about? How should he think about it when in particular, he's in the moment of making a promise, just at that moment. And so this particular problem is not one that is new. This one has gone on from time immemorial, from the days that language was invented and promises and requests were, were implemented, which is, I forget when language was invented, but many thousands of years ago. And People started to make promises to each other and, you know, we noticed that some are kept and some are not. 
And as you attempt to make more commitments, the risk, as I said before, goes up because you the chances of you not delivering on one or two increases. But what we don't have is a common sense way to solve this problem on an ongoing basis. So we have principles, but let's, what happens if you take those same principles, like the principle of capturing, and we apply it, um, and apply it not just the one time or in a simple way, but we apply it to the general case of commitments that grow and become difficult to track. Is there a way to think about capturing as a skill that we could apply forever? Because if we don't, if we don't sort of deal with this, there will come a time when we're we're just like Kumar, and we have we get to our limit. So we might not be at the limit that Kumar is at. We maybe we have ten kids, two jobs, um, we're triathletes. You know, we we do way more than him, and we're able to manage it. But maybe there's a ceiling for us as well. And that ceiling, what does it mean and what does it trigger? Because if we don't, aren't aware of it or we don't know that it exists or we don't have a way of even thinking about it, we could exceed the promises that we can safely manage and all of a sudden suffer some of the same problems that he's dealing with in terms of his reputation and even his self-confidence. Most people, you know, when they get to this point, when they sense that they start to not make any more commitments. And sometimes that works. But if you're someone who's even a little bit type A, I'm going to suggest that that may work, but it won't be satisfying. Because if, you're, if you have the ambition that type A people have, you always want to be increasing the number of commitments that you can make. You always want to be around people and in situations where you can make promises to yourself and others and see them fulfilled. <clears throat> so your ambition could be driving your commitments. And it's not necessarily just a business commitment ambition. It could be a commitment to have your son be you know, in the NFL one day. Know the, between the time when he's 11 and decides I want to be in, a, in the NFL, and so where he's 22 years old and potentially enters, there's a lot of parent has to do to facilitate that commitment. A lot of promises need to be made, promises made and kept in order to move the keep moving it forward. And if you're not someone who has a pretty big capacity, then there's a point at which even a commitment that somebody else who is ambitious and you're trying to facilitate that or your ambition is tied up with theirs creates a problem. But often we don't realize as we're making more commitments like this, we don't see the role that capture, the skill of capturing plays in managing greater levels of commitment, greater numbers of promises. So you probably may know that capturing is the activity of translating a time demand, a promise that you make to yourself, 
into a commitment that's made in a, or stored in a safe place for later retrieval. So time demand, what's that? Okay, that's an individual um, commitment <clears throat> that you make to a commit to, com to complete a task in the future. It's my own, my own definition. <laughs> an internal individual commitment to complete an action in the future. So it's a promise that you make to yourself. Anything in the world can trigger a time demand. And when it gets triggered, it's a psychological activity. And a time demand is a psychological object. Unlike physical objects, which have a lot of permanence in them, you know, like a physical object, or a digital object. So you're listening to me because of the power of digital objects. Time dem uh, psychological objects don't have a whole lot of permanence. The, the mind creates them and the mind attempts to put them in a safe place. So we know that, for example, that time is taught to pre-adolescence. A child learns the concept of time around the eight of, age of eight or nine. A child starts to create time demands around the ages of 11 or 12 and then starts to put in place mechanisms to save time demands for later retrieval somewhere around a year or two after that early early teens so the first mechanism that we resort to is of course memory so we create a time demand and then we try our very best to remember it so we maybe the creation is over here and the storage is over here so all mental storage, okay, early on. So we all use memory to begin with. And we get into the habit of creating time demands and then putting them in memory. And when we're young and we only have one piece of homework per week, that works really well. And at some point it stops working. At some point, for knowledge workers, sometimes before the college years or in college, but whenever it is, you, your memory is unable to manage the number of time demands that you're creating because you're no longer creating one or two per week. You're creating one or two per hour, perhaps, and now you have a problem. So capturing is that movement of a time demand from the point of creation, moment of creation, to a safe place of storage. Most of us learn that our memory is not reliable, so we pick up at some point a piece of paper. And then, at some point, the piece of paper becomes impractical. We pick up one of these. And then, at some point, we replace one of these with... I should open up my smartphone and show you a calendar. A calendar is, so instead of using a, a task list, we move to using a calendar and then we move to an auto scheduler but that's the transition that we make the philosophy is the same throughout however which is that time demands place of storage in memory and then we learn over time that our memory is not sufficient and then we use all the methods so kumar is probably like most people he's using a combination of maybe all three 
he's using a memory, he's using a piece of paper, and he's using a smartphone, a, smart, a list on a smartphone. Okay? So he's not particularly strong at capturing, but and that's probably why the problem he's in is probably difficult for him to solve because he doesn't understand that capturing is so important. That capturing is critical to his ability to manage his tasks. And once you realize that, once you realize that you're using way more memory than allows than your, your system can handle, your current system can handle, you then can get committed to not use as much memory, right? And that's, let's imagine that Kumara has not made that commitment yet. <clears throat> he hasn't read getting things done. He's not been exposed to the idea of capturing. But you have probably have, given that you're someone who's listening to this podcast. It's probably not a new idea for you, but I'm going to suggest that the principle applies same principle applies to him as it does to you, which is that he needs an upgrade, and so do you. Now, I have no evidence that you need an upgrade today or right away, but there's a lot of evidence that says that the number of time demands that you're going to be managing in the future is going to increase. And there's evidence that shows that the number of tasks that you need to capture effectively is going to increase and that the capturing that you did five years ago when you first learned the concept is not the capturing that you'll need five years from now when you're dealing with a big increase in the number of time demands that you're managing so the philosophy could be the same which is that you're exploring the boundaries of what you do and you're looking for a technology to move to that allow you to expand even further same philosophy that Kumar would use, but Kumar is just focusing on using less memory, more paper. So he's sort of at the very beginning, but the challenge is still the same. Okay, so how can you be someone who is always evolving your capturing? Now, if you've been exposed to the that idea before, you may have may have been also unwittingly learned from whoever taught the concept that capturing is a one-time one-time skill kind of like holding a pencil once you learn to hold a pencil you know you don't forget how to hold the pencil that once you learn to capture that was it and all you needed to do was to set it once and forget it and from then on you could rely on that skill to work the way you wanted it to work and you'd be fine forever unfortunately that's not in keeping with the philosophy and the reality of the world that we live in which is that the number of time demands is going to increase then if you stay with the capturing that you learned when you first heard the concept you probably are going to run into trouble in the future so let's bring about a whole different way of looking at this, which is that your capturing needs to be constantly overhauled, driven by first, increases in volume, and second, increases and changes in technology. And that if you 
don't keep up, you'll experience some of the very basic symptoms that Kumar talked about, things falling through the cracks. That your capturing has to evolve and maybe evolve at a faster rate than other elements, the other 13 fundamentals in your task management system. I won't go into them here. Uh, if you check out some of my prior episodes, you'll hear me talk about 13, 13 fundamentals. So I um, went through the same evolution that Kumar talked about. I captured to memory and that didn't work. And I remember capturing to uh, an Excel spreadsheet before this was before Excel, but something like a spreadsheet. Um, actually, before I even got to the spreadsheet, I used to capture in a in one of those nice day runner day timers, one of those big diaries that people carried around in the nineties. These were like the paper version. I say the paper version of smartphones. They were not. They were just big diaries. That's all it was. Lots of paper and captured there, but also used a lot of memory. Um, then I switched over to a paper pad, something like this, something smaller. And then I eventually transitioned from that to using an app on a phone. Um, and the phone that I, I, I use a smart smartphone and I use Google Keep. And that's where I do my capturing today. So over time, I became less and less tolerant, as you could imagine, of using memory. Once it was explained to me the how, how dangerous memory capture was and how unreliable, once you got to higher task volumes, it didn't really matter how smart you were. You know, you could recall the fine details of case law if you're a, you know, if you're a lawyer, but that wouldn't help you in managing time demand. Why? Because Time demands aren't case law. Case law you need to know for the rest of the time that you're practicing as a lawyer. Picking up the bread this afternoon is only something you need to remember from now until the time you pick up the bread. So you have no commitment to store those time demands in a permanent place. And that means that you, are, you treat them differently from the very beginning, as you should. It's a different kind of memory that the psychologists call prospective memory versus retrospective memory. Retrospective memory used for things like case law. Prospective memory used for things like time demands. So I became someone who saw every 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 lost commitment, every time I didn't capture effectively as a defect. So in other words, every time I I, I tried to use memory in lieu of my the better solutions. Ah, that's a defect. But usually I wouldn't know that's a defect to this day. Because unless something went wrong and I didn't remember, I wouldn't see it as a problem. I'd just keep moving. So <clears throat> when there's a problem, however, and, and I, something, some mistake was made and something falls through the cracks, that would be a signal that, oh, I have a defect. I went to using an unreliable method to store time demands. And I'm committed to not use that method at all. So, okay, what do I need to put in place so that I can make the change? And that's who I've become, someone who's engaged in that kind of improvement. Using the defect as a signal to say, okay, here's an opportunity to, to get better. Actually, episode three, I talked about why 
these failures, these defects are a good sign because they point you in a particular direction. These are the symptoms that tell you that your system isn't working. And even if you can pick up the small errors, these are the predictors of big problems. And then there's times when I, you know, I, I get lazy and I'm feeling overconfident and I'm feeling, yeah, I'm not under any pressure I can remember. And sometimes I get away with it. And sometimes I don't. But when I think I'm getting away with it, even then, I'm really not getting away with it. So if you hear me, if you hear me, as you hear me speak, you might see that I'm bringing a, a sort of a level of trying to bring a level of rigor to this particular practice. And the reason why I'm I'm adamant or why I'm I'm sort of strident maybe about this particular practice is because of the 13 practices in your task management system. This is the point of entry. And as the point of entry, it has a unique role because you can't manage tasks in your system which aren't captured. In other words, you can't, you can only be as effective as you are in capturing, which is not as true of the other fundamentals as it is of capturing. So capturing, Capturing, it, it's the most true, okay? <laughs> a task that doesn't enter into your task management system is one that is not going to be managed at all. So the what I'm prompting you towards is being engaging in a certain kind of self-diagnosis. And so I offer several tools in which you can diagnose your entire system. In this podcast, we focus on cap capturing, but... My book, Perfect Time-Based Productivity, is one. The Rapid Assessment Program, where you can get your assessment first, initial assessment done in just a half an hour, much shorter than reading the book, um, is also available. That's an item for sale. I'll drop it in the show notes, along with the book. And there's a new habits training, which <clears throat> I offer a one-day training or two-half-day training online. I also offer it in person. But the three of those are are efforts to bring your diagnostic power up to a particular level so that you can engage in improving capturing for example in a different way so there's 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 some reflection that needs to be done that you must engage in so this is now we're getting into the solutions beyond the diagnosis of the problem you have to engage in some reflection here in order to make the improvements and see the defects for what they are. Okay, so let me throw some new other ideas at you. So one is the idea of a capture point. So you could probably guess what a capture point is. It's a place where time demands are stored. So I mentioned a number of them. Memory, then paper pad, then a task list on your phone, unsorted something like google keep and <clears throat> these are just methods of capturing time demands 
All right, so that's a simple explanation. Here's the more expansive explanation, which is that there's two kinds of capture points. There are manual capture points, and then there are automatic capture points. Okay, so what do I mean by that? Well, the ones I just described are the manual capture points, the memory, <coughs> the paper list, and the smartphone, the part of the smartphone that has an app like Google Keep. Google Keep. But there are automatic capture points, which are made up of your inboxes. So these are places that potential time demands can be stored, but they're sent there by other people. So this is your email inbox, your direct message inbox on Instagram, or LinkedIn, or Facebook, or all the different places that someone can send you a message. But it also includes physical messages, like your post office box or your mailbox, where a physical letter could be sent and the postman puts it in the box and you retrieve it later. That's also a, an automatic capture point where someone is sending you a potential time demand. So I say these are potential time demands because they don't actually become actual time demands until you interact with them, right? So you may write down a but you might you may retrieve um, all ten pieces of mail from your mailbox, and if it's all junk mail, then none of them get converted into actual time demands. They're all potential. They all want you to do something. You may look through them all, or even if you don't, and throw them all away. Renders them void, so they're not even potential anymore. But People want you to receive their potential time demand and turn it into an actual. That's why we have junk mail, right? But it's true for every single email message that you get. So on this podcast, we're going to focus on just the manual capturing. In episode 19, we focused on email, which is of one of the versions of automatic capturing. We focused on email or direct messages or SMS or WhatsApp, or Telegram, or all the other ones that exist. Ways in which you can receive asynchronous messages um, um, using digital formats. Okay, So we focused on that on episode 19. But here we really want to focus on manual capturing and the defects in manual capturing. And the moments that we notice, you know, like Kumar, that he left the kids, left the kids at the playground <coughs> or at school, that that was a defect, and it's a defect that points to a problem in the way that he captured. So there could be a number of number of issues. He he maybe he put it in memory. That's that's all he did. Maybe he wrote it on a piece of paper, but the piece of paper was on a post-it note that stuck to the screen of his computer, and he hasn't looked at it for looked at the post-it notes on his screen for weeks now. Maybe he put it in his phone, but it it remains in a raw list of items that were captured, and he needed to empty it, empty that capture point in order to have it be located in a place that would turn into something like an alarm and that alarm would interrupt whatever he's doing 
maybe he was deep in a prod in, in the middle of the project at the end of a meeting and the meeting went on he didn't have an alarm and that's why he didn't pick up the kids because the meeting just ran over and he forgot so <clears throat> if his time demand is stuck in any one of those places to pick up the kids then he wouldn't have received any kind of notification and we could say that his system is broken so he would be ideally the one to reflect diagnose acknowledge the defect and say how can i prevent this from ever happening again and then taking steps to change his workflow so that <clears throat> he'd have no more defects. So the it capture capturing is is not something to forget about. It's not something to kind of treat as a routine. Instead, it's, an, it's a living, breathing, essential activity that's partly made up of technologies that you're using. And you, you always want to be looking for the best technology available. I happen to use Google Keep because it's replicated across several platforms instantaneously. Um, it interacts with other programs in the ways that I like, like Google Calendar. But if a better one comes along than Google Keep, I'm going to be all over it. I'm going to jump all over it because I need to be using the best technology that I can. If I'm going to be on a project that's going to be very demanding, and let's say for argument's sake, I can't have my phone available to me because let's say I'm on a super secret project, something national security, you can't bring your phone into the room. So I need something to capture with because I'm not going to resort to the worst case memory. So I'll find something else, a piece of paper in that case. I know I need to change my workflow to suit the situation. So my capturing needs to be this dynamic activity and I need to see it as a, once again, it's critical to your task management system perhaps the most critical because it's the point of entry for every task and your system is only as good as your capturing is so capturing deserves kind of the latest technology it deserves this kind of ruthless problem solving and root cause analysis you need to be doing this diagnosis you need to be finding the defects as soon as they start happening because the downstream effects of your capturing not working are horrendous unlike Unlike the many of the other 13 fundamentals, when they don't work, there's a cost. When capturing doesn't work, every other fundamental is diminished in its power and its ability to do what it needs to do. So there is no kind of forgetting or letting capturing be as good as it is and then allowing it to stay the same and then moving on. That just isn't an option in our world I'm describing. Instead, you're hungry for further improvement. 
you're you're looking for advice that would help you do a better diagnosis of your capturing skills you you have thought through some of the ideas like the ones i introduced in my book so the one idea is that you have a capture point with you at all times and how skillful you are at that another is that when your capture point is with you you always use it and in in my the different trainings that i mentioned i allow you to do a self-diagnosis or help you show you how to do a self-diagnosis from being a real beginner at this skill to being someone who's extremely expert and there's also having those moments when you're caught in a situation where you don't have a capture point an example i give is of you're in a you're in a, a dance at a party you don't have your phone with you because you didn't want to bring it because it might get lost and you see a client and the client says do you call me tomorrow here's my number and they rattle off this number and you're like "Ooh, how do i store it so that you find a way perhaps using other people around you to store that number so that it can be retrieved later because it's critically it could be something really critically important and you don't have your capture point with you because for practical reasons like you're doing laps in the pool for example you usually do that with a phone right beside you at the pool but anyway the point is that you for this third skill you are you're the macgyver you're a genius when it comes to finding ways to capture information um, in moments when you're caught off guard <coughs> so those are three skills for for example that are covered in the the rapid assessment program new habits and my book perfect time-based productivity the whole intention is for you to be able to diagnose skills like capturing and to treat them as malleable and treat them as growable so i'm going to invite you to do a little exercise can't be there you know to see the outcome of this but think of the last time you had a defect in your capturing where something didn't work and often we use the word forget although I encourage people I train not to think about forget, but think about my system broke. Think of it in, in those terms, which are more more robust, more more um, more accurate because you're not really caring as much whether the you forgot or not. You care that the time demand was effectively captured. That's the main the main activity. Um, and that's the main thing you want to have your, your focus on. So when was the last defect? What was the cause of that defect? What produced the result you didn't want? And then finally, what needs to change so that you permanently fix that problem? That it goes away forever what behavior or what technology needs to be inserted so that you don't have that problem again okay so if i were again if i were there here with you there with you i would take you through this myself but i invite you to sit down and to, to do some reflection on just capturing it's the kind of reflection that would allow you to grow and give your system the kind of reliability that kumar doesn't have most people don't have. 
but it would add to your peace of mind and take away any feeling of overwhelm and also help you to know in the future when early on when a defect shows up it's starting to tell you that your system is nearing its capacity and it's time to now make some upgrades even though you may think this is a one-off maybe it is but if it's not it's a great opportunity to try and effect an improvement so um coming up next i want to tell you about the next episode here at the task management and time blocking podcast keep listening we'll be back in just a moment And here's a short clip from our next episode with Emily Cordwell. The majority of our students that I work with are non-traditional and it's becoming more common these days, particularly with online study. I myself, I'm a non-traditional student. I'm studying for my master's in digital education. I am not 18, 19, um, maybe guess that. Um, and I've gone back to study. I'm currently working. I, I run my own company, I'm podcasting and I've got two children. A non-traditional student you can see it ticks all those boxes thinking of attending the next task management and time blocking virtual summit here's a 25 percent instant saving on your purchase of any ticket or content package simply visit timeblockingsummit.info slash subscribe dash to dash podcast and if you want to leave a comment about this episode or any aspect of the work that we're doing here at the task management and time blocking podcast you can go over to www.replytofrancis.info and send me either a message uh, by text or send me a voice message, a voice note. And as you probably know, we have a couple of places that you can interact with other people, talk about this episode. One is at the community, mightytaskers.scheduleu.org and you'll see the link in the show notes. And the other, of course, is our upcoming Task Management and Time Blocking Summit coming up in March. Two outstanding opportunities to interact with other people about the ideas that you've heard on this podcast or any of our episodes that are coming up. And if you'd like to support the work we're doing, I invite you to click on the Patreon link below to make a donation. And please don't forget to like our show and recommend it to others on iTunes, Stitcher, Google, or whatever past podcast app or service you're using this is francis wade i'm signing out i hope to see you on a future episode and until then take care and all the best see you later